After a relatively wet but mild October, the warmest on record, the back end of November was making up for the earlier discrepancy. Winter had arrived, with icy mornings and bitter winds that shook the last remaining leaves off the trees. Maywood Health Centre was always busier when the weather turned cold. And on this particular Monday morning, it was teeming with what Beth called winter sickies. She had a theory that the first note of a piped Christmas carol was the harbinger of medical doom and gloom. She also believed that if sufficient people banged on about the threat of a flu epidemic, there would be one. And now that they were only a week away from December, and a short step from the onslaught of Christmas, everyone was convinced they were suffering from the most virulent strain ever endured. The waiting room was packed this morning, and as she listened to the endless coughs and sniffles, Beth knew without any medical training that most of the patients weren't as critically ill as they claimed. Beth felt sorry for the elderly, those who suffered in silence, who would not dream of troubling their overworked doctor. Only a couple of days ago, she had called on Adele Waterman and found her in a terrible state. She had immediately called out the old lady's doctor, Rose Millwood, from the health centre, who diagnosed pneumonia. Lucky we caught it when we did, Dr Millwood told her patient, otherwise we'd probably have had to whisk you into hospital. Beth and Nathan were taking it in turns to keep an eye on her, ferrying down food and drink at regular intervals. Before leaving for work this morning, Beth had given Adele a flask of hot vegetable soup for her lunch and hoped she would eat it. Nathan had promised to call in as soon as he was home from school, and Beth knew Adele would benefit from his company. The old lady had said that if she was feeling up to it, she would help Nathan with his lines for the play. It was curtain up in two weeks' time. Beth would miss Adele when she moved. According to Jack, if all went well with the sale, she would be leaving in the new year. Just as he'd predicted, there had been no shortage of people interested in the flat, and the full asking price had been offered. You see, he joked with her over coffee one night at Dulcie's, I'm not the shark you thought I was. I never said you were, she'd responded. You didn't need to, it was in your eyes. Oh, surely not. That and a look that said, mess with my neighbour and you're a dead duck. Sharks and ducks. Goodness, what a mix of metaphors. Are we allowed to be so careless? Thursday nights had become part of her routine, and Beth looked forward to seeing the group each week. Apart from Victor, who never spoke of his life outside hidden talents, they were learning about each other. It had occurred to Beth that without exception they all had a raw spot, or an area that was strictly out of bounds. As open as Jazz was, she refused to speak about her family, even the fact that her mother was pregnant. Beth only knew this from seeing Mrs. Rafferty at the health centre for an antenatal checkup, but she wrote amusingly, perhaps tellingly, about a fictional family from hell. Jack, clearly going through a painful divorce, wrote in poignant detail about the breakup of a marriage, and only last week had hinted to her in the car on the way home that he'd got himself into a mess with a subsequent relationship. Surprisingly, Darcy was the most reserved of them all, but unlike Victor, who was breathtakingly rude when any of them inquired how his week had gone, she always answered questions, but somehow managed never to tell them what she'd really been up to. Perhaps she didn't get up to anything. Maybe that was why she had started Hidden Talents. 
As plausible as this sounded, Beth didn't think it was the whole truth. But the really good thing, as far as Beth was concerned, was that she was gaining in confidence with regard to her writing. Living for pleasure was growing fast, and almost had the feel of a novel. Well, all five chapters of it. She didn't think she would ever be as good as the others. Jazz and Jack undoubtedly had a natural flair for it. Dulcie, too. The less said about Victor, the better. But she got a lot out of their evenings together, and that was what counted. Dulcie had encouraged them to have a go at entering a short story competition, which none of them had considered before. It had been advertised in Writing News, a magazine to which Dulcie subscribed, and it was the group's latest piece of homework. They had two weeks to complete the task. Thank heaven for that, said Wendy, when the last of the patients had been seen and the waiting room was clear. Magazines and healthy eating leaflets lay strewn about.